All right. Welcome on the mic. I'm Jake Colleen. And this new episode, we have Stefan Scuddy. Stefan is the 2019 Aussie Long Drive Champ, and he is a personal trainer as well. So it's lovely to have him on the podcast. Uh, thanks for being with me, Stefan. My pleasure to be here and speaking to you too. Nice, mate. Uh, I just wanted to uh, congratulate you on the 2019 Long Drive Championship win. Um, how does that sit with you, That the knowledge that you are now the 2019 champion? Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, an unbelievable feeling. Um, just an incredible weekend, really, over the couple of days that the event was. And uh, mm. yeah, to take out the win was pretty cool. And to be, uh, be known as the champion for that 2019 was, yeah, a fantastic feeling. Was it uh, something that came to you uh, quickly or was it surprising or was it a big build-up? Did you feel like you, you know, had spent years trying to, trying to get there and you've got there or was it something that happened pretty quickly? Yeah, I mean, so I'm still fairly new to the sport. I mean, I've been probably two, two and a half years um, just constantly grinding, learning something, taking something from every event I was at um, and just felt like I was definitely improving and improving and uh, definitely with the equipment I was getting, things were working a bit better and uh, I just got to a point where I felt confident enough to beat the different best people going around here in Australia. Um, and then, yeah, just got down there and just had not only the, obviously, physical side of the goal swing working, but also the mental side. I just felt switched on and was real positive and just felt like everything was working on the day or on the both days. So, yeah, nice. And how do you win uh, the event? Um, what What is the sort of structure of the tournament? How do, how do you do it? The day one was all the sets and the rounds. So you're competing against all the players basically in different groups uh, it works on a point system so in groups of four um your, your best drive gets you 200 points second gets 100 points 50 and then zero points for coming last um and then over the five rounds the points are added up and then we got the top eight from there that then competed the following day for the for the championship in an all-out match play and, so and how many balls do you get how many uh tries do you get at, at each sort of section so last year, it was eight balls in three minutes. And just as of this year, the World Long Drive have decided to change the rules to six balls in two and a half minutes. So, uh, which one do you like more? Um, six balls in two and a half minutes probably suit me more, being like more of a, an actual golfer. A lot of the guys that I compete with are just these monstrous ex-baseballers and just huge guys that just get to slash the ball as hard as they can. With less balls, I guess it puts more pressure on each ball that you hit to make sure that you're putting that ball inside the grid. Um, yeah. Is it is it consistency that you need, or is do you just want that long bomb, uh, or is it more consistent sort of sort of eighty percent, ninety percent ball that you hit out there? I get this question like all the time. Um, it all depends on the competition you're up against. I think like if you're in a set against um, three guys that you know that your 90%, 95% ball is going to be enough. You'll take out a driver or you'll make the golf swing that you know is much more accurate and more likely that you're going to hit that ball inside the grid. Um, but if you're up against the best guys in the world, like I was in China and America, you just literally just every single ball that you get, you have to be going full ball 110%. So the gap worldwide is a little bit more than the Aussie guys can get to the level. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of Aussie guys here that have competed with the best in the world as well. Um, one of the guys made third one year in the Worlds, which is a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we definitely got a talent here as well. But the best guys are there at the, at the top on their, uh, on their A game. You have to be going full ball. 
and what sort of distance how wide is the grid actually how, how wide is that grid that you have to move uh, into in america so they, they say 30 to 40 yards is generally the rule um it all depends on the day as far as the room that you have on the fairway and, and how everything's set up but it's generally 30 to 40 yards wide yeah and what's the long ball mate what what got you over the line there in the last final oh my longest ball of that tournament was 352 meters um and that was in the first day of one of my sets um but it's just yeah like i said it's over five sets i think i finished second for the um first day as in with all the points um and then so that put me in a, a number two in the match play so two played seven and so on and so forth to the final so um you just had to be consistently hitting a decent decent long number in each set to get enough points right through into the uh to the match play and was the final close was it a close battle between you who, who was the other um, yeah, guy yeah we had a He's sort of my main rival, Carl Peters. He's a uh, he's a big solid guy, and uh, yeah, he. I mean, he won it last year. Sorry, I should say two years ago now, 2018. Um, he, yeah. It was really close, was it? Was it neck yeah, and neck? Yeah, it was a bit neck and neck. Every ball, just like you got all this pressure, people yelling and screaming, and just like, just like everything you've got, but you have to still focus, and it's just it's an incredible feeling. What was the winning ball? So, what was the yardage you got in the the last one? Uh, Three twenty-four meters was my winning ball. Yeah. And what was his? Did you get him by just a little uh, bit? He was at around 318 during the set. So. Right, right. So pretty close. Well, I'd, I'd known after about the fifth ball that I was ahead and he didn't hit another ball longer than what he'd had in those last three. So I took it out that three to two four. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. So to, Lee, tell me about the lead up to it. So how do you prepare for a long drive tournament? Um, it's a lot of gym, um, a lot of flexibility work. Um yeah, and then obviously a lot of training in the gym. I'm working out of a place called Golf Studio now in Morty Alec. Um, got awesome driving nets set up with trackmans, and I can just sort of unleash the driver as much as I can. Because um, obviously there's not a lot of driving ranges around Victoria that go longer than 300 meters. So there's not a lot of places that can, can practice. And on course, it's not really a great place either. Yeah, and on the on the range too, they're obviously the really soft compression haven't made the range balls. Yeah, the balls are no good. So that's the great thing about golf studio. I go in there and I can use my ball wicks and uh, tee them up and do my own thing sort of on the side while there's other people hitting balls. So fantastic. And, and does tra- track man measure that? Does it? Yeah, yeah, it still measures measures balls. Yeah, so ball speed, covered speed, all that sort of stuff, and it, it all comes into play as to how far the ball's going to travel. Nice. And do you change up the, uh, do, you, do you use a range on the screen or do you actually try and, you know, drive holes or do you change it up that way to make it more interesting? Yeah. I don't jump on the simulator much, just, just generally in the net, but uh, right. I, I definitely want to get into that a bit more. But generally when I'm practicing, it's just straight into the net, just hitting a few eight irons and then getting bored and then straight into the driver as much as I can. Right. Enough's enough. And have you always hit it long when you first played, started yeah. playing golf? Yeah, I mean, I took golf when I was about, 15, 16 years old. I was a basketball before that. So uh, got long limbs, long arms, um, a lot of flexibility in the body. So that all obviously helps with hitting the ball a lot further. And a good um, basketballer, so, by the way. Don't just flick yeah. over that. You, you got to state level, didn't you, in basketball? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, looking to go fair places with basketball, but a bit of, a little bit of a heart condition which held me back, but it's sort of put me in stand for this. So, um, yeah, so I got into the golf. And, uh, yeah, as you say, I've always hit it long, so. Yeah, right. So oh, let's touch on the heart condition. So you, you were playing basketball as a you know, 14, 15 year old, really tall, young, uh, yep. getting, getting some notoriety. And then how did you find out about that? 
Yeah, so it's a, it's a condition like within the family, so it's hereditary. Um, it's called Marfan syndrome. Um, so my mother's side has it, um, and it basically it does a whole lot of a lot of things to the body. Um, the bones sort of overdevelop. You have joint laxity, so it's overmobile joints. Um, some issues with the eyes and a whole bunch of other stuff. But the main concern is the aorta, um, the valve, because within the syndrome, your, your muscular tissue is more elastic. So then the valve in the aorta um, is a higher risk of rupturing with a heart attack with uh, obviously having your heart rate and your blood pressure through the roof when you're sprinting around basketball court. Um, so I was on a beta blocker for a, a long period of time, which obviously kept your heart rate and your blood pressure down. Um, but it just got to the point where the doctors, the specialists were like, we know how much basketball is to you, but like if you go there, you make it. The clubs are going to do some blood tests and not take you on for insurance reasons and that sort of thing. So I made a decision, a big decision to quit. And that's when I took off golf a few months later because I thought obviously that's a nice safe thing to do. And it, it sort of helps with obviously long drive, having long levers, lots of flexibility. Um, yeah, so it's all sort of. How did that make you feel when you had to decide to go from basketball to golf? Did were you? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Yeah, uh, basketball was everything. I was playing every day, morning, morning and night. Mum and dad driving me all around Victoria, and even in Australia, I was doing a lot of state stuff. So, mm. um, yeah, it was pretty hard to give it a lot. Yeah, so uh, you then decided to play golf, uh, joined up at Yarra, and you got yourself down to a handicap of three, and yeah. decided to uh, hit the long bomb. So uh, yeah. when did when when did that come about? When did you decide, hey, I'm going to give this a big, really good shot? Yeah, I mean, so as you said, I joined my assistant team and I uh, saw Andrew a few times and Glenn Joyner, another coach you would have known about. Um, and so they had a handicap of 20, but down to three and was looking to just do something with actual golf. And I hadn't had ever heard of anything about this long drive stuff. Um, and then started getting lessons, got a bit worse with golf. So I quit golf for a couple of years and came back, had some fun with playing pennant for the club. Um, and then we just had a pennant practice one night on Trackman, just off the uh, the old first or the old six, but yeah, as you know, the new first. Um, we're just having a long drive comp of our own and uh, seeing whose ball speeds and club head speeds would get up nice and high and whose was the highest and fastest. And uh, yeah, mine was just like dramatically longer and faster than sort of everyone else. And uh, Andrew Bertram sort of mentioned this long drive thing that you should look into it. And, uh, and so I did a jump on YouTube and I found some uh, long drive videos and competitions that were all over overseas in the state, overseas in, in America. Um, and uh, it wasn't a massive sport here in Australia at the time. And um, I thought I'd give it a go. And so I did. So I started getting into some equipment and I was going to play over the states. Um, so that was when I come across this Australian tryout for the Australian team um, down the Gold Coast. So it would be best to do that first to give that a crack to see if I have anything of what it sort of takes and see what the competition's like and went down there and just yeah again just hit it unbelievably well and I was just so stoked as to how well I hit it on the day that it got me into the Australian team um, and that's when the, so the whole career started. Perfect and, and what how much uh, I guess uh, improvement have you had since the first time you sort of got on the track man to now what, what sort of speeds were you doing what sort of club head speed have you improved? Yeah, so back when I started, I had the TaylorMade slider, a very old driver that you remember. Mm. Um, I was getting that at about 135 mile club head speed and about 185 to 190 full speed, um, which is pretty good for a standard driver. And then I just sort of picking up exercises and, and exercise, oh, sorry, drills to uh, to get you more rotation and 
and faster club head speed and then moving into a long drive club I'm clocking up to 140, 142 mile an hour at 200 to 205 ball speed. So. And, and what do you need to, to get to to you know, compete with these world guys and these US guys? I feel like I, I need to put on a hell of a lot more strength. Um, that's probably my weakness. I've got a lot of flexibility and the levers for it. Um, but just putting on mass and size, and I'm, I'm doing that. I'm definitely putting on a lot of weight, especially in this uh, lockdown time. I'm eating a lot of lollies and chocolates and stuff. But um, yeah, just <laughs> I reckon the strength side of it, um, definitely. And so um, how will that improve uh, your ball striking? How will that get well, that going? Well, I'll be able to move the club head faster. So um, the quicker you can move the heavier shaft, the better, I guess. So obviously we can all have a quick light shaft and so that I'm trying to that club head speed's going to be fast, but doesn't necessarily mean the ball's going to go further. The smash factor's not going to be as high as it would be with a heavier shaft. Oh, I see. Um, so the boys are stronger and they can move heavier shaft. A stiffer shaft. A lighter shaft, yeah. So. That makes sense to me now. Yeah, okay. So uh, to hit it further, you basically need the stiffest, heavier shaft. And you can move that as quick as possible, then that's going to get a bigger smash factor. Exactly right. Oh, okay, cool. you've got the flex that comes into it as well, so. Okay, and how, how many yards are you away from the big guys then? How many yards do you have to make up? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yards, it all comes down to the area, like the humidity and the altitude and all that sort of stuff. But um, ball speed, I'm like 20 miles off the best in the world. Um, right. But I can definitely compete with the top 50 over there. So, but I'm, like I said, I'm new. I've only done it for two, two and a half years. Mm. Most of those guys have done it for 10, 10, 15 years. And what's 20 miles turn into in terms of uh, meterage or yardage? Uh, about 40 meters, 50 meters. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah great. All right. Well, um, with, with, with gaining that and that strength, um, talk me through your regimen. The, have you, have you got a plan set in place? Are you looking to go over to the world championships at some point? Have you got a plan to get stronger and, and do that? Yeah. Well, I, mean, I was meant to be in, uh, competing in Vegas just, uh, this weekend coming, <laughs> but everything obviously has been thrown out of whack with this coronavirus, but, yes. um, yeah, just obviously being a personal trainer, I've got a good idea of sort of biomechanics of the body and, and what works best with getting your body, I guess, more stable through the golf swing. Um, so a lot of just functional movements first, your, your deads, your squats, your bench, all that sort of stuff for general strength. Um, and then I like to do a lot of golf-specific stuff with rotation, medicine balls, whatever that may be, and, and just little drills, um, learning how to, to work off the ground a bit better, so the ground floor stuff. So... I think that's very important and then just a lot of flexibility and mobility like i've spoken about with um definitely the upper body rotation through the spine and the shoulders yeah so with your personal training and, and all your experience and all your knowledge with that is is there still a, an expertise area that you go to to try and figure out a little bit more in terms of specifically getting it longer off the tee um yeah Everything I've learned, I've learned from like the competitions that I've competed in and meeting the guys that have been around for years and, and have got all the experience in the long drive, these little tricks and traits that they're doing, um, just add that extra two metres, three metres, four metres every time you do it. Um, and then I'll bring that into the gym as well if, if there's stuff that you can work on in the gym. Um, but a lot of dry drills in the mirror, just learning how to yeah, push off the ground and rotate as you're driving up is, is very key and loading like you're taking the club away and you just want to really load that right hip, hip up as much as you can and stand up nice and tall so you can push down and back up again. Right. right. So the, what sort of regimen can you do in the gym to sort of you know, simulate that? Yeah. So all that, like, 
like a truck bar are fantastic to sort of jump inside them at a heavy weight and just do deads inside that, pushing up and down off the ground to get you that type of feeling. Um, and then jump, sort of box jumps or jump squats with that that um, that bar as well. So holding onto that is very good. And then skipping as well to get that to sort of elasticity in the, in the calf muscles to sort of drive up and off the ground. Right. So being in the fitness industry and also obviously a golfer for a long time now, if someone came to you and said, Hey, I'm a golfer, I want to get longer off the tee. How much is associated do you think with the coaching and how much is associated with the fitness? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess first you'd have to look at their golf string and have a look at how they're moving. And if you feel like their body's just not rotating properly, it'll come into yeah, the two factors as to whether they don't know how to rotate or their body's restricting them from rotating. Um, so you just, you sort of jump into that and have a look at that, I guess. But, um, I think it's very important to be taught how to rotate first before you talk about forcing the muscles to make you do it, I guess. So you'd work closely with the golf coach then and, and yep. sort of set up a plan for them. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So uh, say for your instance, uh, you got your week to week golfer comes to the gym, wants to get a little bit uh, longer off the tee and his technique's quite good. His smash factor is quite good. Uh, yep. What would you set for him? Yeah. So get into the gym, get into your deadlifts, your squats, um, your, your big power lifts, um, your, your bench press, lap pull downs, or, or a chin up. It's just get those massive prime movers working, right? Um, and working together, any functional movement where there's more than one muscle group working um, mm-hmm. is, is the very most important thing. Um, and then just all your mobility stuff. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can find online just to create more rotation. A lot of yoga can be fantastic as well, and Pilates if your hips aren't, aren't quite up to it as well. So flexibility in the muscles is huge, but what about the joint? Is that is that just as important? Yeah, so that's your mobility. So that's 100% important. So it's just being able to move the joints more is, mm-hmm. is definitely going to drastically improve your rotation. For, for long drive, um, probably definitely more strength, but for mm. the general golfer that's looking to just hit it more consistently better, I'd, I'd say probably the flexibility and mobility is a bit higher than the strength and more important. Yeah, sure. Because you can get stronger. And if you don't bring the mobility with it, your smash factor is going to leave. And, and we talk about smash factor being, you know, the closest to the middle hit of, of the driver. So, yeah, as we know, being golfers, if you if you don't hit the middle, uh, it's no, no point swinging at 150 miles an hour, is there? No. Uh, smash factor is always going to be low, which means the ball speed is obviously going to be low and that ball's not going anywhere. Sure. And when you hit that long bomb that hit, feels really good, is that straight out of the middle? Yeah. You just know it. As soon as you hit it, you know that you've hit it well. And as soon as it takes off, you can tell whether it's got too much spin on it or enough. So right. when it's not spinning, if you've hit a knuckleball, that's when you're jumping around and making some noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so have you got the perfect numbers yet? Do you know exactly how they get a bit biggest uh, out of yeah, it? I don't know. People always ask them that as well. I just feel like it's just there's so many different factors on track, man, that can affect the ball that mm. there's no one right thing. I mean, you compare professional even just like Justin Johnson and John Rahm and the numbers are so completely different but they can generally hit the same ball it's uh, I don't think there's the right or say the one launch angle and the one launch uh, one attack angle and the right spin just it's all all coming together I guess the lower the spin the faster you can swing the club the further that ball's going to go and obviously hitting it on the up yeah yeah so when you play golf have you felt like hitting it further is an advantage um, yeah, definitely. I mean, around Yarra Yarra, they've cut out a lot of trees, a lot of bush, so I can always just launch it off every day. Um, so definitely the advantage of that pull. Also, a pull that's really tight. And uh, I wouldn't be pulling out a big stick much or very often. 
Yeah, maybe tear it down a little bit. <laughs> so is that how you is that if it if you've got a tight hole somewhere and you're playing, um, do you just is that how you get a little bit straight off the tee? You sort of diet. Do you actually change your swing speed or you just what do you do to minimize that? Well, if I've got the long drive driver in the club, I mean they're they're not designed to be swung slow or knocked down or anything like that. So they're very difficult to hit. Um, you just pull out a driving iron or a three wood or something like that. Um, so you so you use your long drive um, driver on course, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my three wheel goes long enough. So I mean, yeah, I can use the long driver as I said almost most of the holes. Um, but if I went to a tight course, I'd be hitting three wood most of the time. So yeah. there's no there's no like legality around the length of your driver. Um, it's the same as the PGA standards or the RNA standards. So it's 48 inch and uh, and yeah, that's it. 48 inch from grip to head. Um, 460 cc just the same oh and, so for uh, so for uh so the the actual long drive driver is not longer than the longest standard you can have on the golf course uh, legally perfectly legal yeah so um, back in the day i think it all changed about eight years ago it used to be 50 inch um right. allowed in the uh in the long drive but they brought it back to 48 um to match rna uh, standards and values on the golf course yeah, I see. I yeah, I always had it. Club. I always had in my head that actually, yeah, you, the long drive was sort of quite illegal, but that no, that yeah, might have changed. As you said. Yeah, and we'd obviously a lot of driver companies are making non-conforming heads as well, still, but uh, still the same. It has to be conforming with the RNA rules. So. And what loft have you are you running with on your driver? Um, I've got like eight, nine drivers with different lofts, but generally my three, three to four degree range is what I like to go to. Three to four. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No wonder you have to hit on the up. Yeah, it's uh, sort of launched it at like 10, 11 degrees and plus six or seven. So. Yeah, look, I, I think, and as you said, that comes with risks. And, uh, you know, obviously <laughs> you've alluded to the fact that you, you're not quite hitting a lot of fairways. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, get, get, the, get the wedge out and hit it close, uh, especially yeah. around, yeah, as you said. But yeah. if you're a week-to-week -week, uh, player and you're looking to get that length, um, definitely you want to try and get on the up with it, as you said. Yeah. Um, but then it, it definitely gets to a point where uh, you're, you're risking uh, missing fairways. So you got to make sure you analyze the situation. If you've got a golf course that's quite tight and you're looking for distance, uh, yeah. you've got to, just got to be careful what you do. Exactly right. Yeah, no. so, yeah I want to talk about Kyle Berkshire. Uh, he's yeah. the 2019, uh, is it the US long drive? He's not world, is it? Well, they, you know, America, how they are, they think they're the best at everything. So it's like the NBA, they win the NBA championships. So they call themselves the world champions. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's not no, technically it's the, the world longest drive. He's the no, US longest drive. If you're going to gig in the world long drive to get an opportunity to compete there, you need to be winning like a train championship or something like that. Because right. a lot of the Americans can sort of get in easy because of all the events that um, played throughout the year to get them enough points to compete in the world long drive when you got players from around the world having to to drive to fly to, to America for one or two events it's very hard to get enough ranking points to be able to be eligible for the world long drive. Right. Yeah, he's getting a lot of notoriety lately. Um, yeah. He's obviously been yeah. picked up by Callaway and doing a lot of social media. He yeah. is a tank. He, I mean, it looks like he's got a, a pretty uh, strong body, uh, which is obviously helping. Uh, he's gotten up to 150 miles an hour, I think, uh, mm. swing speed and I think 200, yeah. what, 250 ball speed, is it? 230, 228, I think I've right. seen maxed out, but uh, I think the goal is, yeah, 230. 
and uh, the spin rate I think is about fifteen hundred. So that's yeah. You know, obviously, the the conditions yeah. there are alluding to somewhere over four hundred yards. So, <laughs> um, how do you how do you feel about that? I mean, uh, it'd be pretty cool to compete against him. And and as you said, you should be in uh, Las Vegas right now competing with him. Would he have been there? Yeah, he would have been there for sure. Um, just I mean, the way he rotates, I'm sure you've seen his goal swing now. The way he rotates and uses the ground is the major factors why he can swim the club as fast as he does um he's got a lot of the best coaches around him and teaching him all about that he's still a young guy as well so he'll probably still get a lot better um i haven't actually competed with him yet i've competed with a lot of the other top 10 in the world um over in china and america but um yeah just he's definitely a person to look up to and you just see how he sort of waits and sets that club at the top before his lower half starts to move through and forward to the Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I love his rhythm too. He's got that little yeah. rhythm start. I think that's pretty important, yeah. isn't it too? And and Why what do you, right I mean, there? as a golf coach, I like to see my players stay pretty centered um, um, over the ball as they hit for, for contact yeah. and for good striking. Is that yeah. similar too, to, to long drive or is yeah, it? Yeah, probably a little bit more back. Like <laughs> stay back a little back. bit. Obviously you can see him, yeah, really leaning back, launching on the up to sort of release the club as hard as you can through impact. Um, but you just have a look at how well he rotates into his right hip and just loads that right hip at the top of the backswing. Yeah, and, and uh, I'll notice they extend too, like extend yeah, that right up. hip, stand yeah. up. Yeah, I think yeah, so that's up, down, up through the golf swing. Yeah. So what, what do you think? Are you gonna have you got to got the uh, got the goal to go over in there and beat him or? Yeah, definitely. I'll definitely like you're gonna give me some time, give me some more years. I'm learning, as I said, every event I go to and uh, just picking up something new and new and. Uh, yeah, I'll get it. Have Have they got a new uh, schedule date for that yet? For the for the no, world champs? There's just there's no idea. I mean, obviously you've seen America in the news; it's pretty bad, so they're probably mm. worse off than anyone else. So there's just no news. There's no one wants to put out any news, and they know for sure anyway. So it's all a bit of a mess. Well, it's still exciting for you. So yeah, yeah. you know, train up and uh, make sure we can. Get, yeah. Was that televised as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all on the golf channel. So this year there was going to be a lot more televised events because uh, the change has been going in because um, a lot more people would have learned about this world being on obviously the TV a lot more through mm. um, Foxtel. But um, yeah, it'll all be back next year. And the sport's growing as you see more people are hearing about it through Instagram, social media and stuff like that. And so what's the warm-up look like? For, you know, competing day, uh, say if you've got a 10 o'clock tea time, as you'd say. <laughs> What, what does it look like in your, in your preparation for that day? So a lot of stretching first, uh, so stretching the muscles and then you get into a bit of mobility work. Um, and I always carry my seat speed sticks with me. I don't know if you've looked into those before. So that's just the sharp with the weights on the end, uh, like medium and heavy. And uh, you work with them. I'll work with them just before hitting the tee. So just getting a bit of speed into, into the body and getting the body warmed up. Because in between sets, you can, you can be up to 10, 15 minutes waiting to hit another eight ball so your body can sort of cool down again so you need to warm up and uh be ready to then all of a sudden swing at 110 percent again so right so you don't hit a lot of balls it's a long day so you will you'll hit it depends if, if most of the time you're hitting five sets so five sets eight balls depending on how many people are there so it's like 40 balls at 110 percent it's a lot harder to do than swinging a nine iron 140 times like right, so much right. in the body but um but in, you your warm, but in your warm-up, you don't, do you hit many balls in your warm-up or just doing a lot oh, of super... Like in the range, warming up. Yeah. Uh, just a few irons generally. Um, and then, yeah, maybe a few drivers, but you just you don't want to be tiring yourself out. Right. So just get loose, get, yeah, get ready, get your rhythm up. And the ball striking, right, yeah, the tempo. 
And is it a bit like golf too? If you hit a few out of the middle, you feel a lot more confident or? Yeah, 100%. So, right. And that's how I felt at the Australian Championship. Just from day one, I was just like bang, bang, one first set, one the second set. I was like, all right, this is cool. Starting to get some support in the crowd. And every time I get to the tee, people are like, oh, steps up. Like, oh, like there's, there's like someone up there that's going to really rip one and uh, mm. you just start to get confident and you build off that and you, you work off the crowd and the music that's, uh, that's around you. Right. So it gets you pumped up. Yeah. So it's all about it's just golf on steroids. It's like the, the 2020 of cricket. It's like the fun version, the the non etiquette version of golf. I mean, we got music pumping, DJs are there. We've got people drinking beer and just yelling and screaming after every ball. Completely different. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised it's not as not bigger than what it is but yeah. by the sounds of that. And just it should be. Yeah. How, how do you how do you think is there is there an organisation that runs that that sort of long drive tour or how does yeah. it how does it work there? There's a few, I mean, and they sort of sort of compete with each other as well. Um, so the players that come over and compete and and the growth of their individual business. I mean, so you've got IGAN, so International Golf Association in New Zealand, International New Zealand. Um, so she runs events here in Australia and in New Zealand. Um, and then she actually run that massive event in China at Mission Hill. So had the biggest purse in the history of the of the of long drive. Um, three hundred thousand US. That was a pretty big one, and um, and then yeah, then you got the World Long Drive, which is your Americans. Um, there's a European tour, um, and then there was uh, one other tour. I can't remember what it was called, but it was more through that sort of Asian, Asian type countries as well. So, well, I think there's oh, potential yeah. to to maybe join up with the the PJ Tour here in Australia. Yeah, there has to be, and and, and run it on a on a week on a weekend where, where they're playing the PGA or the Aussie Open, I don't understand why they're not doing that. Yeah, so my, one of my sponsors here, Volvic, um, as you know, obviously a big sponsor of Wallam Drive, they sponsored and they have a sponsorship this year for the Australian Open as well. Um, they've had it for three years now. Um, but they wanted to get me up there on a Friday night with a few other boys, um, just like after the field off one of the tees and just launching balls out into the night. Um, but it was, it was a little bit of uh, insurance um, issues with like obviously the um, the people that were out there and um, just all the tents and stuff coming into play. So it's definitely getting talked about, and uh, it will eventually sort of associate with them and get more people into golf as well. I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's a great opportunity because you know the Australian tour has declined over the last you know few decades, and yeah. something as exciting as that uh, will yeah. bring out the people. That, there's no doubt about it. Uh, drinking, exactly right. music, fun people love uh, people hitting big balls so yeah i think it's a no-brainer yeah and uh, like nothing beats the adrenaline like not only the players but the crowd you can just feel like every single ball when that when it comes down to match play like the set's not so much like you've got time and it's not massive if you get that 50 or 100 points but when you're in match play and it's straight up knockout like every ball counts and it's just you just feel that tension it's really it's really cool something different yeah, I, I really hope that that happens because I'll I'll come out, I'll come out and watch it for sure. Yeah, and yeah. It, it needs to. I think the the tournaments need to attach themselves to different things like that to get more people. Because the new generation would like they need you know activity, don't they? And and yeah. your normal golf tournament doesn't have a lot of things going on until the back nine on Sunday, and that's yeah. when it's exciting because you see people, you know, the players that you know either pumped up. Or, or they're losing their shots or, you know, it's starting to get really to the end point of the tournament. It gets exciting. But other than that, um, it's not really exciting, is it? So yeah. to bring something like long drive to it would be fantastic. 
it would be fantastic. And uh, I think like clubs like the National Golf Club, I think they just recently had their own sort of long drive comp for their members. And I think it's a great idea just to get people together and obviously grow the sport and get them away from just that same old playing 18 holes under really strict rules and etiquette and stuff like that. And I think that's why a, a part of the reason might be as to why it's not really associating well yet because you've got these private clubs that have their etiquette and their rules and it's just such a... I don't know, with the drinking and the music, it's not really golf. Mm, kosher, yeah. A lot of the committee and of golf clubs won't sort of appreciate that type of vibe, I guess, but hopefully they change it with the times and uh, it all sort of starts associating and working together. Yeah, for sure, I agree. Um, I want to get into injury prevention, actually, now if I can, um, and, and the work you do with, with your day-to-day clients in the gym. Okay. Um, in terms of golfers, I, I see on the PJ Tour particularly a lot of lower back injuries, you know, rotation and loads on, on the lower back. Um, also the shoulder, the rotator cuff, the lead hip and hip flexors, and obviously a little bit of tennis elbow. So, so what, what would you um, attribute to those injuries, you think? Um, is it injury prevention in terms of not doing enough in the gym or do you think it's their actual techniques? Yeah, I mean, it can be technique and genetic, as you would know. Um, but um, I think it's just that repetitive, when you're just constantly making the same motion that's aggravating or irritating an injury, it's uh, it's obviously not going to help. But definitely doing a lot of your core and your hip work, that's why Pilates is so important for that trunk and that lower half, that lower back to uh, sort of be more stable and and more controlled through the Gulfstream and have less pressure on the muscle if it's too weak to sort of control and resist that spinal rotation through the golf ball um, would probably be key but I mean the minute you start feeling any sort of pain um, anywhere in the, in the body when you're swinging a club repetitively you should stop um, see a physio see a chiro whatever it may be and, and then go from there yeah because I, I would say that you know if, you, if you're feeling something in your lower back it, it's usually a compensation isn't there where actually there's something else that's happening that you can't actually feel yet so I've noticed that too with a lot of players so yeah, it's important that your whole body is is equal in its yeah. strength and its weaknesses and and you know its flexibility. So um, I guess that's why you see a lot of people now with their own personal trainers on the tour. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, the combination of that uh, with the coach uh, is important. But you know, I see people like Ricky Fowler, um, him particularly, I'm worried about a little bit long term. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's such. He's such a talented golfer, uh, Ricky, but yeah, he's in such flexion on his backswing, you yeah. know, and it's that old school sort of um, X factor where, where the right, you know, right knee is flexed still and they're trying to get yeah. that X factor with their upper body. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And, uh, golf can be dangerous. And then, uh, I mean, imagine doing what I do, swinging a club at 130, 140 mile an hour consistently, puts an extra load on the body and the hips, so... Yeah, it's a, it's an all over body sport, isn't it? And and it's not you know, your body's you know linear, isn't it? Usually, it, it likes to go back and forward, and it doesn't like to twist a lot. So yeah. you know, golf's putting a lot of different stressors on on a lot of different parts of the body. So yeah, yeah very, very important to make sure everything's all even. I mean, you think about kicking a football or AFL players; they're so quad dominant because they're always sprinting forward, they're always kicking the football their hamstrings if they're not doing a lot of work in the gym with their hamstrings your hamstrings are your brakes so when they take that sprint or they kick that long football if the hamstrings aren't to sort of slowing down the knee from from extending then obviously that's when they tear their hamstrings it's the same with golf when you've got muscles that are in the hips that are imbalanced and not working properly you're uh, you're going to have a lot of pain and issues 
in the in the long run. Yeah. So the first thing you would do is screen someone for for their for their body. And how would you go through screening someone? Yeah. So what we've always been taught in the in the personal training industry in the fitness industry is to do like an overhead squat. So you get them holding a wooden stick or whatever, maybe above the head. Just try to perform a squat as low as they can, and then that's when you'll see the imbalances straight away in the ankles, in the hips, in the knees, um, and then you'll see their thoracic mobility as well in that, and then we we'll go from there. Right, and and where do you start? Because I know when I see a, a client, obviously you get their understanding of their goals first, and you work that out. But you, you have a you have a little model in in your head what you look for. Um, yeah, it's always ground up. Yeah. And what what about, what do you look for in a screening? So if someone you know has got some ankle issues, and looks like some hip issues, and and some shoulder issues, where do you start? Yeah, definitely from the ground up. So you're looking at their feet if there's pronation and they're weak and their glutes. So you're doing a lot of glute stuff, a lot of core stuff. Um, same with their knees if their knees are buckling in and working together. Um, weakness in the glutes too dominant through the quads, and we, majority of us are. We do everything in front of us, so we're anteriorly stronger than posteriorly stronger. Um, so it's very important to be working the posterior chain the majority of the time when we are in the gym. But generally, most generally all the issues that occur in the body and the imbalances in the hips always start from the ground, from underneath. So something's mm-hmm. going wrong with your diet cycle or the way you're moving your feet. Right. And, right. Uh, and what about you? Have you had many injuries as, thus far? You've been good that way. No, I mean, I've been really lucky. I just had a lot of ankle injuries with basketball. Um, so I was taking and strapping them, but they were long gone when I was 14, 15. Um, so it was just, yeah, other than the ankles, I've had, I've been really lucky. My knees have been good. Um, I've had a bit of lower back issues, but that's, that's all fine. One of the discs really starts to flare up here and there. And when that happens, I just know to slow down the training a little bit and, uh, and then get back into it. So I've been pretty lucky so far. I did have a rib injury as well, actually. Um, that occurred with occurred in New Zealand. So I was doing a lot of training with the speed sticks, um, as we were just talking about before, to try to generate more club head speed. Pushing them a little bit too much, and uh, it's all through the intercostal muscles inside the rib. Um, they help you to breathe and sort of squeeze the core muscles. And and uh, yeah, I worked up to went up to New Zealand, and uh, I don't know about rip the club too hard, obviously, and started tearing into that muscle, and actually had to forfeit out of that event. Yeah, you say so you mentioned you mentioned that event you missed. Have you have you won any other events, or did you leave your first win for the big one? Yeah, first one for the big one. The yeah. other accomplishment was making the Australian team back in two thousand and seventeen. So. Yeah, nice. And, and when you when you were standing over those last few balls uh, and the pressure came, h- how did you feel you dealt with it? I just like in that last set, obviously the knockout. I just got off. To, I got a really good ball in the first the first other set, um, and that just put me into confidence straight away. Put all the pressure on Carl. I think he missed a couple and got one, and uh, and I just did another one that got back ahead, and it was just enough to hold on. So it was just like neck and neck, and every single ball matters. And yeah. So when you don't get that first ball up and the pressure builds, yeah. uh, so so how do you deal with that pressure? Yeah, it's tough. Um, well, it happened to me in my last event in New Zealand. I just I had one of my shockers. I reckon probably the worst event I've ever competed in. I just from set one, I just wasn't hitting it well. Confidence wasn't there, and then it was. Sort of very windy day and into into our face, so it was wasn't helping that situation. Um, but I just yeah, just my momentum and timing, everything just felt off, and really it was all just up in my head, and I just couldn't sort of shake it off. But um, I know I'll be back and uh, back to it in the, the next events to come. So That's obviously you you'll learn from that, right? And yeah, you, for sure. You that. And so have you got like a routine or mental physical routine to sort of get yourself focused again? Yeah, to just stay calm, like after that set, just take a breather, think about why I'm here and 
and how good I uh, can hit the ball. And I think I'll think about it in that I've just gone up on the tee. Um, and then definitely preparing myself as a sports psychologist before, before events as well. Um, oh, yeah. So you speak to a psychologist? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, talk us about that. What so what what's the main sort of focus uh, with him or her? Uh, yeah, so just just talking about just general confidence and and when you're up on the tee, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the result or are you thinking about the process? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just trying to as good as the crowd can be and the, the fun side of it, you sort of need to start out as well and just focus on what you're doing and what you need to do in your body to to generate the most amount of power into that golf ball and. Uh, not think about the opponent like i said like what i put carl through with that first ball all that pressure was on him to then hit a really good ball within his next few few balls as to obviously you're going to run out of balls by the end and if your confidence is down you're really going to struggle so just being able to shut that out and and still just focus on your own process yeah absolutely and pressure is huge in sport um you see it all the time when when you add pressure to a leader um, they come back normally. I reckon nine times out of ten, they come back to the field because they feel it and uh, human response. And normally, yeah, it's, it, we we don't like to use the word choke, but it, it's so it's so normal, isn't it? When you see that, uh, it's so regular. So if it, you know people like Tiger and they're sort of great front runners because their mind is so uh, strong in, when it gets to the pressure. Definitely, and I think you need, you sort of need to be arrogant to an extent to be able to have that confidence like and sort of tell yourself that you can do it um, without overdoing it but um you definitely need to know that you're capable of doing it and shut out that negative sort of talk or things and whatever might come to your mind yeah i know tiger always mentions that he oh, i've done it in practice so i can do it out here and yeah. that's easy to say yeah. i mean i've done it in practice <laughs> it doesn't seem no to work around. for me i, I don't <laughs> I, I think he uh, um under he underquotes how much he actually works on his game. And uh, yeah. I think the reps are so important with that confidence. You know, even yeah. if, if you do it once or twice, not enough, you got to keep doing it. So you know yeah. that you can do it when it really matters. Yeah. 100%. And uh, I mean, you've seen all the Michael Jordan episodes coming out on Netflix now. That guy is just like on a whole nother level of confidence, like, and so mm. competitive. No one was ever going to beat him at anything. And you can't be that nice guy, as he says at his level because he just expects the best and of him and, and of his teammates. Yeah, that's a that's a great doc. I, I'm enjoying watching it. And and it's just it's funny when he tries to fire himself up. He even lies to himself like someone yeah. said something about him and it just gets gets him yeah. fired up. It's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I mean to go and start playing baseball and to be able to go to the big league if you wanted to. Like and then to just come back and walk back and play NBA again for the Chicago Bulls and yeah, and take out the championship the year later. It's incredible. Yeah, self belief, but you know you you got to have the self belief to start with. But the the work ethic, the work yeah. ethic. These, I mean, you know, it's you look at Kobe, him, the, the LeBron. They've yeah. they've got the work ethic that goes with it, and that yeah. just builds on their confidence. But yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, it's nice to hear you work with the psych as well, and, and to get yourself yeah. prepared. Uh, do you do a lot of visualization? I know that helps me. Do you, do you visualize a lot when you're just before you're hitting that shot? Do you visualize the ball flight, the sound, all that sort of thing? You sort of pick out it. Obviously, you're hitting it so far, you're hitting it 300, 350, 400 meters, depending on the conditions. So you're sort of picking out um, your, your point or your landing spot or something to aim at. And then you just visually are just trying to, to, to launch it at that and uh, just sort of see the ball flight, try to see that dome type ball flight rather than that balloon type spinny thing that's not really going to 
compete with anybody. Um, so that helps me to sort of feel like you're sort of getting up on top of the ball and sort of working that sort of top spin type feel. Right. So do you change your routine, do you, when you get on the golf course? Um, yeah. When you're looking at the target all the time, golf, on the actual golf course. Mm. Um, so you're making little practice wins while looking and looking, whereas long drive, it's all in your body and the process of launching, you know, sort of rotating and sort of getting as much movement in the body as you can to put as much energy into the ball. And that landing point isn't anywhere near as, or has to be anywhere near as accurate as it does in, on the golf course because obviously you've got bunkers and mm. a whole bunch of stuff that comes into play with how the ball's going to react on the golf course. Yeah, cool. Well, if there was one thing you could say to someone, one tip you can give them for long drive, what would it be? Just one one tip. Use the ground. <laughs> Use the ground. Use the ground. The ground's your friend and then, yeah, it's, it's all on that rotation. The more rotation you get, the more clubhead speed you're getting. Yeah, nice. So how can we follow you, mate? Do you have a website? Do you have uh, some social medias? We can follow your progress. Yeah, just on the Instagram. Um, Steph and Scotty Long Drive Golf is uh, where you'll find me, mate. It's all my videos and put up a bunch of stories and stuff like that about what I'm doing and mm. what I'm doing on the golf course as well as the training and stuff like that. So. Has this taken a little bit more of your time these days? Have you got a goal to really uh, set yourself to the world champs and are you going to take it a lot seriously going forward in your career? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely getting more of a name for myself the more I compete here in Australia. Mm. Um, I'm getting into corporate days and charity days, I think we've spoken about before, and uh, just working those days, run up on the tee, just sort of launching golf balls out for the guests to go and to play that ball from then on for the rest of the hole. Um, so that helps give me confidence and, uh, and training as well under sort of pressure conditions because they're expecting a 350-metre drive every single time that you stand up there. So that's a bit of pressure as well. Yeah, um, but that's all obviously helped me um, raise money as well to pay for flights and get me around the world to compete with uh, the best players in the world. So, yeah. Have you done many of those corporate days? Yeah, I did about 12 um, last year. Um, towards the end of the year mainly because I missed the start of the year. I was booked, I was away most of the time. But um, the biggest one I did was the Premier's Cup. So that was for Daniel Andrews, as uh, we all know about. Yeah. <laughs> the same TV all the time. But, um, that was down at Royal Melbourne and uh, put on a lesson at the driving range first for all the guests. And then he came down. And, and then I was out on the 18th tee just hitting bombs all day as the group's coming through and took some photos and had a bit of fun, had music going. And, yeah, right. So, so businesses can contact you through the website. Is that all social media? Which is yeah, the best one? Yeah, yeah through through the Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're looking to uh, get fit too, as well, whereabouts are you with your uh, the gym? Yeah, so I'm in One Fitness in Brighton. Um, that's just down in Bay Street. Um, you can contact me through uh, through Instagram as well. There, I've got a LinkedIn um, at my name as well, Stefan Scotty. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to help and uh, happy to improve. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. Well, I appreciate your time. It was fun uh, reflecting on your win last year. Congratulations. And we look forward to seeing what you do in the upcoming World Championships. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Devin.